Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this very special edition of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the vlog, the website, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. This is where you go in order to discuss more about different travel destinations. Hopefully, this will inspire you to travel more and enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a variety of different social media platforms, of course, starting with my my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com. On YouTube and Facebook, you can see me there on The Professor Travel. I'm also available on TikTok now at The Professor Travel. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at the underscore professor underscore travel. On Twitter, I am at The Professor TR1. And then if you're a blogger, you can find me on theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am so proud to have one of my good friends coming back to join us again. Our visiting professor today is Cruise Director Kabir. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming back. This is such a treat for us. Um, I just wanted to say I I really appreciate you. I appreciate your work in, in the travel industry, as well as this amazing podcast that you have. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. But for those who maybe missed the first one that we had recorded, can you give us a little bit of uh, your background, maybe some of your travel credentials, uh, maybe a little bit of your educational background as well? Of course. Yeah. So I started on working on cruise ships in 2015, but my love with ships actually started when I was six years old. I did my first cruise in 2000 and uh, just absolutely fell in love with it. I've done over 30 cruises as a guest. After that, I started working on ships and now I've been cruise director for three years on ships for five. Um, My professional experience is actually in uh, television and journalism. So I went to school for TV and journalism, had my own TV talk show here in Toronto, and uh, eventually, I I think of it as graduating, I graduated to cruise ships, (laughs) and um, yeah, (laughs) took to the seas. Well, we are we are all the better for it because you do an amazing job. I am just I always love speaking with you. I love, as I said, listening to your podcast. You you are a very good storyteller. So I'm I'm really excited about this edition for us. So today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, cruises for all types of travelers and some of the misconceptions that they have, as well as different types of cruises that might be out there. But let's talk really quick about cruise misconceptions because I know there's a lot that are out there. When I've spoken with friends of mine who haven't necessarily cruised before. Uh, the, the two themes that come up oftentimes, and there may be a lot more that might be out there that you have heard, is cruising is just for retirees or, uh, you know, I, I can't go on a, a ship. I'm just going to get seasick or even though they've never been on a ship before. Um, yeah. What is the reality to you? What are, what are you seeing? <laughs> okay. The reality, first of all, is cruising in general, I think is, is a very universal way to travel. I think it's a very easy way to travel. Um, and do I think that cruising is just for retirees? Obviously not. Like I, I really don't. 
I can understand though why so many older people enjoy cruising for sure because you unpack once everything is handed to you everything is within walking distance it's all wheelchair accessible so I can understand that element and a very large percentage of the cruise industry they are retirees and that's great because live your life enjoy it have a great time but there's always going to be those younger cruises as well and you just have to look for it you have to be a smart traveler and do your research before you sail so you know you i think whenever i get that complaint of oh my god there are so many old people on the ship i'm kind of like well it, it's you know a 21 day cruise to russia like <laughs> you know what did you expect <laughs> or you know alaska or whatever so at the end of the day, live and let live. Whoever wants to cruise should cruise, but also those shorter cruises exist for younger people. So seek them out, find them. Seasickness <laughs> is not a factor, really and truly. Uh, I won't lie about that. You know, if you're a smart traveler and you've researched where you're going and you're not, even transatlantic, I've done transatlantics that are smoother than, you know, seven day Caribbean cruises just because the water at one point literally looked like a pond. You can just drop something in it and it just created these amazing ripples. So I have only had in five years at sea and also 30 cruises additional to that as a guest, I've only been truly seasick on two occasions. Um, So that speaks to something that, that for me is the reality in terms of motion sickness on a ship. Yeah. When when I think of motion sickness and I I have not been on nearly as many cruises as you have, I've been on six. The only one I had was, and it wasn't even so much a seasickness. It was more of just a, a the the ship is moving a little bit stronger than normal. Um, we yes. we were off the California coast, which is where I'm located, and we have something. We have an occurrence every year called Santa Ana winds that pick up, and mm-hmm. it 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 it's very dusty in the area. But when you're on a ship mm-hmm. at sea, sometimes that can feel a little bit more impactful. And so uh, it was myself and my husband's. It was my husband's first cruise. And so, uh, you know, we had a wine bottle on the table that was starting to move a little bit like this um, during our dinner. And it was like, yeah. So, I mean, we definitely felt the impact of what was going on. But it was like, it was only temporary. We, We just went back to the room, lied down for a little bit everything settled out really quickly and it wasn't even so much of an issue. So there's going to be ship movements from time to time, but is it something that's going to break your entire cruise? I would sincerely doubt that. No, but if it is a concern, like for example, uh, I worked on uh, a ship that used to belong to Holland America line. It was very similar to, I can throw an example out there. It was very similar to the Volendam. Uh, and, and that particular size of ship, brilliant size of ship. I absolutely loved working on that that ship or that sister to that ship. Well, the thing is, they're very short. They're very short ships and they love to do the the bob, right? And um, sailing in the waters that we were in, they not only like to do the bob, they did the this, you know, this thing. And it's when they, when they're kind of going up and down and they're going left and right at the same time, that was always an issue (laughs) because then you're not you're dealing with motion that's not quite just lateral it's it's the other way too so anyway long story short seasickness is not something that occurs regularly um and if you really have an issue with it you take those the c bands that go on or they have seasick pills but i will tell you if you take those seasick pills that they give you on the ship they will knock you out <laughs> and nobody told me that when I worked. Uh, this is just a couple of years ago when I was down in Australia. It was an, a really rough night. This was the first time that I was truly seasick working on a ship. And we were just flying around. 
I was in the theater about to take the show off. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, I'm so nauseous. So I took one of these seasick pills and about five minutes later, I'm taking off the show, you know, give it up for the cast, everybody. Great job. Tomorrow we're going to be in this port this time. Otherwise get out, have your fun. Halfway through this seasick pill kicks in. And it was the drowsy element of the seasick pill. And I literally was standing there and I was like, it was unbelievable. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, on, yeah. A te- on a technical side though, a lot of modern mm-hmm. ships have stabilizers in order to help with the maintenance of, like if you're hitting really rough waters, mm-hmm. it shouldn't necessarily be an issue because they can stabilize the ship, correct? Right. Yeah, okay. Um, so that they help more so with like the left and right, the, this, this movement, Yeah. Uh, which is fabulous, especially for our production shows. Like that's a really, really big deal. It keeps the water in the pool. It keeps things from falling over. However, it doesn't help with pitching, the okay. ship going up and down, which some people, they find that like that rising and dropping motion, that's kind of what does it for them. But the stabilizers do a huge, huge, huge benefit. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you. So in terms of understanding your needs as a passenger and what cruise lines and, and what cruise ships might work well for you... Um, what are you looking at for in a travel experience? I think it's probably one of the first questions that you'd want to ask yourself because every cruise is going to be different, whether it's going, whether it's the destination, you know, in terms of, do you want to go to a colder climate? Do you want to go to a warmer climate? Do you want to go to a more tropical climate? Those are going to obviously have an impact as well as, you know, the things that you like on the ship, as well as things that you might not like. Um, right. That's not necessarily saying that one ship is, better than another because all ships are different and and different like for example i i've never been on an oasis class ship you know one of the largest that are in the world but i keep hearing all the wonderful things about it and there are people i know who would never want to go on something like that even though it has a lot of modern conveniences on it just because they like the smaller um maybe almost yacht size cruise experience Right. You know what? You're you're very right about that, Scott. In terms of understanding your needs, you have to be a smart traveler. I always say this to people, you know, uh, where you need to be aware of the product that you're you're buying at the end of the day. The Oasis class really tries to hit the nail on, on the head with with appealing to the largest the largest audience, right? They want to have the small ship experience on a massive ship. And 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 they did that very, very, very well. But um, if I'm being honest, I think that their product on Royal Caribbean, specifically their product on these larger ships is bar none. Like you just don't find that kind of delivery with other cruise lines that have larger ships. Royal Caribbean manages to just blow them out of the water, especially now they had uh, the check-in process. For example, when I cruised on Anthem of the Seas, facial recognition to figure out that you're there. Then you literally show, show them something on your phone, you scan and you walk on the ship, your cabin keys are in the door, or, uh, or rather not even in the door, in the room, you meet your steward and you're just good to go like, like that. Everything was done in advance. Wow. That seamless experience was done in like 2016, well before the other cruise lines had, had even thought about catching up to it. So that's the experience that you're buying and you need to be aware of that. Virgin Voyages, they're going to have a very interesting product because they're going to want to innovate and they're going to want to push things forward. So if you're looking for the latest and the greatest and the cutting edge, um, I mean, Royal Caribbean, Virgin, Celebrity, they're really pushing forward in, in that respect. Excellent. But 
Also, another flip side, there are a lot of little niche cruise lines now that have taken sometimes older ships, sometimes smaller ships, but they've created incredible packages. Uh, for example, one of the cruise lines that I do work with, Morella Cruises, uh, they're part of TUI, which is a travel operator. What they do is they package flights, all-inclusive drinks, uh, and they put a cruise together. What a brilliant concept. I'm surprised this concept doesn't exist in the United States where a cruise line owns an airline. Carnival used to own an airline, so did Celebrity. You know, they have an airline and they can package everything together and it's one fixed cost. What a brilliant concept. We need more of this. Yeah, and actually I was going to I was going to lead into that when we're talking about brands here really quick because you know, we're so used to being marketed to the to the big three here in the United States, um, which include obviously a lot of the subsets that you're seeing on the screen here. Um, Disney is the outlier there; uh, they're their own little niche. But I mean, depending upon where you're at, you know, most of the people here in the United States, unless they're really in the know, they're not going to hear about like Piano or Mariella or uh, Tui or um, you know any of those other ones that are really good but it's like how do you even understand like where do you where do you find that information how do you how do you do the research on that if you're not being marketed to it that's that's the other that's the other concept of this it is the other concept of it and you know i remember i remember when i worked on my first cruise line i have to be very i just so everybody knows i have to be very careful of cruise lines that i do mention because obviously i'm still part of the industry but i'm also trying to give you you know the most candid answers that i can without having to be restricted so and and you know please please understand that audience of course but um you can actually see behind me if you're watching uh right right there those are all pictures of cruise ships that i've worked on and that i love and one of those pictures was taken in the caribbean off of one of the first ships i worked at, worked on and there was a ship, it looked like a Royal Caribbean ship, and it said TUI Discovery 2. And I was like, TUI, what, what is TUI? You know, what is that? T-U-I, what is that? And eventually figured out, okay, that's, that is Morella Cruises. TUI is the operator. And TUI Discovery 2, which is now known as Morella Discovery 2, was the legend of the seas. Mm. And That's why it looks so reason, similar. That's why it looks so similar, because it is, you know. Uh, and TUI... Um, is partly owned by Royal Caribbean, TUI Germany, mm-hmm. of which TUI UK is a subsidiary, which is why obviously like, for example, all of Morella Cruz's fleet, just about, uh, they now have the ex-Celebrity Galaxy and ex-Celebrity Century, mm. which by the way, are two of the most beautiful older ships I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, just feats of engineering. So if you get informed about things like that, you can get some great, great deals and experiences because we get the odd two or three Canadians that would manage to get on board and they're like, yeah, our travel agent recommended this. So, you know, all the more recent, if you don't have a travel agent, maybe it's worth getting one because they can open your eyes to things like that. Yeah. And travel agents typically aren't any more than you would pay for just getting the cruise online yourself. You know, they just... They can, they can sometimes find better things for you or, or be able to find those niche deals, get you tr- cruise credits, things like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of advantages to that. In terms of the branding, though, um, you have, like, for example, Carnival and Disney, they primarily special to those family catering cruises. Um, the upscale or the upgraded experience, you have obviously Celebrity, Princess, um, and there are, there's a whole host of even higher level crews uh, that, that go from there, like Region 7 Seas yeah. and 
um, Oceana and stuff like that. And then you have, um, you know, maybe people who are looking for that specific experience, whether it's a specific port that they want to go to, or you might have, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not really, I don't really care about the ports. Maybe I've traveled on this cruise a million times, but I like the, I like the ships. I like to experience different ships or I like this one specific ship. And then of course there is the everlasting question to party or not to party, depending upon how your interpretation, <laughs> I mean, cause, and I was telling you this before the podcast, you know, you're going to have obviously those people who go on vacation to party, but then if you party too hard, then it's like, well, when you're, when you're coming back, then you're going to be suffering from it and then you're going to need a new vacation. So where do you exactly, go from Exactly. Exactly. I, you know what? I think that I, when we're talking about the premium cruise lines, 100%, there is a big difference between certain ones. Uh, you brought up the first differentiator between Carnival and Disney. Obviously, they cater both to families, but they're completely different clientels. Uh, the cost of a Disney cruise is that of a far, a very, very, very premium cruise line. Uh, enough that, you know, with kids, um, the price is exponentially more. Um, and you know what? I would actually say that between Carnival and Royal Caribbean, there's a massive distinction there too. And even within their own brands, there's a, a difference between Carnival's fantasy class and then Royal Caribbean's Monarch of the Seas, which now, I mean, she's the solo sister. So I'm sure she's going to get a lot more attention than she did before because um, her other sisters have passed away. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the product is different uh, all around. Now, an interesting one, for and, and and I would recommend this to first time cruises especially. A great middle ground is Norwegian. I think they're very underrated at certain times. Uh, they offer a premium experience if you want to pay for it, or the most basic experience on the same ship. So you're getting the same product at the end of the day, but it's just how you choose to experience it. Excellent. Um, on a side note, and I know we weren't going to necessarily talk about this, but I just want to get your opinion on something, if it's okay. And I promise you won't have to call out any cruise ships or anything like that. But obviously because of COVID-19 and because of what's going on in the travel industry, um, several of several companies are starting to go out of, go out of business. And even Carnival is starting to retire ships, not necessarily selling them to the to the secondary market, but actually like beaching them and, and having them scrapped. What is your what is your opinion on stuff like that? Do you think like the older ships should be completely scrapped? Should they be retired? Should they be sold on the secondary market? What are your thoughts? I'm really really happy you asked me this question because you know what nobody else nobody else has asked me this. And I'm a cruise ship aficionado. I love ships. Um, my my boyfriend actually has cruised on uh, the Sovereign of the Seas. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it was the Pulmanter Sovereign, which oh, yeah. I was very jealous of because he told me this and then they said, oh, we're retiring the ship. There's actually my favorite Indian movie filmed on Pulmanter Sovereign. Um, and the main character's name was Kabir. Really interesting. You know, <laughs> but you, I think that old ships should basically be saved from death. Um, no, I don't. Because if I'm being completely honest, there are a lot of ships that really need to go. Uh, and, you know, I will mention, I think Carnival's Fantasy Class are not my favorite ships in terms of their hmm. um, ergonomic design. I don't think they aged well at okay. all. Um, I think they're beautiful for what they are for the, the short-term market. But in terms of ships that in 2020 we're going to 
end up going for another 10, 15 years? No, I didn't see that happening. And to be honest, we've we've been watching, you know, cruise radio news about retirement of fantasy class, specifically the fantasy for probably like five, six years. Those ships were built for, tw- they were built to last 25 years. After mm-hmm. 25 years, they weren't supposed to survive. That They were just weren't built for that. They were meant to be party ships in and out. So no, that, that ship, that class of ship, They've served their time. It's time to go. Sovereign of the Seas, uh, and obviously her sister, uh, who's left, Monarch, and then Majesty. Majesty is the sole sister left, right? (laughs) Those ships were feats of engineering. They aged brilliantly, and they were once the largest ships in the world. So seeing her... Seeing the sovereign of the seas with her nose cut off was, you know, I was upset about it. You know, yeah. she had a lot of time left in her. I think that this is a great rebirth for the cruise industry to come out with more efficient ships that are not as fuel, of, uh, not as fuel heavy. Uh, Royal Caribbean's newer ships have incredible environmental protocols on there, not just in terms of you know health and safety on board. You know, they've got an air bubble system underneath the ship so that there's less friction against the hull. They've put silicone against the coating of the hull to make sure that it moves faster. Diesel electric generators, LED lights, LED solar panels that were on top of the Solstice class, Oasis class, uh, the Anthem of the Seas and all that, Quantum class of all that as well. So that innovation will help save the world. Older ships are going to be recycled into that. Really and truly, I think that's great. Some ships needed to go. I'm happy to see them go. They serve their time. We'll miss them. But, you know, that's the circle of life. Absolutely. And then I know that I think it's a couple of different cruise lines out there are doing liquefied natural gas as far as the powering of the ships as well. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of different newer innovations. I'm kind of going to – I'm going to be curious to see how those innovations are going to continue to manifest. You yourself said at the beginning of this that Virgin is on the cutting edge of a lot of different things. I will be – interested to see how they spearhead a lot of different things that are moving forward as well so you know who else was unreasonably impressive to me and and was doing a lot of environmental awareness stuff in addition to royal caribbean was their subsidiary celebrity yeah um you know even when back in the day when century came out you know century mercury and galaxy those three sisters very efficient ships they have actually direct drive diesel engines which Mm -hmm nowadays are not the most efficient at all but those ships for their age have done a great job at at aging well and being able to serve markets that other ships just can't like again not to not to wrap on them fantasy class were not the most efficient ships uh and they were never built for that standard and ships that you know were around that age like the century um outperforms them in every way and still will continue to last so merit is given where it where it is due at the end of the day um so the celebrity with the edge i mean that ship is is so eco-friendly it's unbelievable so i'm I'm really happy to see the innovation and you're right virgin all eyes are on you (laughs) secondary question are most cruise ships supposed to be longer like um in terms of their lifespan lifespan, than 25 years or is that pretty much the standard you know it is the standard Uh, here's the thing we're seeing ships that were built now in the 70s and the 80s some early 90s now starting to be retired and i think that's hitting the younger generation of cruisers where they were like oh you know in 1998 i cruised on the elation or i cruised on the sensation or i cruised on sovereign or whatever that generation of ships is starting to go yeah i think 25 years is a very short life for a ship. Uh, If you look at a ship, prime example, Queen Mary 2, that ship 
you and I both know in 50 years, that ship will still be going because she's historic. She's Queen Mary too. She will be going absolutely nowhere. Do I think that Carnival Conquest will be here 40 years from now? No, but they were built in the same year, right? They're built for a purpose. And I'm not ashamed to say that they're built, they're a business tool at the end of the day. And they have their lifespan. And I'm interested to see in 15 or 20 years, where's the Mariner of the Seas going to be? Where's Liberty of the Seas? Where's Freedom of the Seas? The mega ships of the world, those ships, I'm inter- I don't know, you know, how, how uh, if 25 years will be enough for them. I really, I think that they're going to last way longer than that. Celebrity Solstice, I expect to see her floating around for decades to come. That is a beautifully engineered class of ships. So, they're all built for a purpose. I think 25 years is too short. And if we're in the age of, you know, being eco-friendly, then it should be in our best interest to make sure that things are future-proof so we don't waste. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, let's also talk really quickly about destinations and what a, what a potential traveler might look at. Um, obviously, they weigh you know, like domestic costs versus having to travel somewhere. Like, for example, with me, I live in Southern California. So for me, the Port of Long Beach is very easy to access. In fact, in December, I'm going to be heading out on, you know, keep my fingers crossed, on the Carnival Panorama, which is a newer ship. And so... We'll see how that goes. Um, but versus having to travel halfway across the country or all the way across the country in order to jump on something to get to the uh, to the Caribbean. Also, in terms of international travel and how, how much the cost differential is for something like that. Not every traveler is built the same way. And so uh, moving apart from the whole concept of retirees traveling, you know, for people that are interested in just absorbing culture and, and traveling to different destinations – I think there's a lot of considerations here to look at. Would you agree with that? I definitely think so. Carnival Cruise Line has done an incredible job themselves of catering to what I call like port specific markets. They'll say, all right, Alation is now based in Jacksonville for two or three years. That market is, it's a drive-in clientele, you know, and they're like that for other ports, Long Beach, especially Panorama. She's one of the first new ships ever from Carnival to be based out of Long Beach right away. She didn't even do a med season. I think she did one cruise and was like, okay, bye. I'm off. I'm going home. <laughs> um, and that's amazing for you guys. So these domestic costs, when you're talking about, you know, really getting bang for your buck, port specific ships, brilliant business model, really convenient for passengers and for crew members very, very easy to learn the system and then stick to that system and they'll just perfect it. And then once they perfected it, they hand off everything they learned to another ship so that the clientele can experience a new product. Brilliant. Uh, Anthem of the Seas has done a great job with that in New Jersey because Quantum Class was meant for Asia. And it's really great that, you know, we have one that stayed in the US to actually show us what Quantum Class is all about. Brilliant job. Internationally, um, that cost doubles and triples. The most interesting thing about international cruising is that the primary uh, language on your ship is likely not going to be English, especially if you're on MSC or Costa. Uh, And that's a really interesting, you want a cultural experience on a ship, those are cultural experiences on a ship. Another one that people should actually look into, if you're really looking for something cool, check out Mindshift or AIDA. They're both German cruise lines that have very forward-thinking ships, incredibly forward-thinking ships, cool ships, cool itineraries, but the primary language is going to be German. But at the end of the day, maybe you'll learn a bit of German on your cruise and you'll have (laughs) a very, very immersive experience. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And I think that's going to be one of those things where, you know, some, some of the, some of the people don't really even understand looking above the top three that are out there. You really do have to scour a little bit. I mean, cause there's, you know, over in, over in the Asian market, you have Genting. I know that's another one that's, that's pretty big. Yep. Uh, down in the South Pacific, you have Paul Gauguin and, um, you know, there, there's, there's a variety of different ones that are out there. It's just a matter of yeah. searching and finding ways to do that. But in terms of population, though, and that give, brings us on to our next slide here, the activities that might be best for a person might vary depending upon the ship, might depend upon uh, the population, whether it's a person in an aging category, someone who maybe has a family, or someone who's maybe not as physically fit. Um, you know, Talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, ships are built for specific populations of people at the end of the day. They're, newer ships are going to be far more accessible. If you're looking for something that has larger openings to fit through with a wheelchair, more accessible cabins, not having to pay exponential cost for accessible cabins because there are so many readily available, um, your newer ships are way better for you. 150% Oasis class, very, very easy class of ship to get around on other than the size. But they they had they could afford larger corridors, more openings, wheelchair ramps, more elevators. Do you know how many elevators Oasis of the Seas has? It's unbelievable. But and the elevators are huge. That's the other thing. So uh, in terms of that and the wide offering of things, Oasis class and Royal Caribbean's larger ships, brilliant. Norwegian Cruise Line's larger ships, brilliant. If you're, again, looking at older ships, yeah, it's going to be harder for you. If, if you're going on, you know, Monarch of the Seas, yeah, things are going to be a little bit more challenging because those ships were not built with the same inclusiveness in mind at that time. They just weren't, you know. Uh, but now we have much stricter regulations. I know, uh, I think it's the ADA requirements, the uh, American Disabilities Disability Association. Yeah. So there's certain certain ships are ADA compliant, mm-hmm. certain ships are not ADA compliant and, been, and have been given an exemption certificate. There was one particular class of ship that I shall not mention again, that is, no, that is not ADA compliant, but has been given an exemption just because of their age and obviously their popularity. And therefore they can continue to operate with the expectation that they're going to be retired soon. And they are. So, you know, again, what I said about those new ships coming out, do I think bad ships being retired is a bad thing? No, not always, because I think it may, it makes room for this. That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. Also the certain cost of activities. If you're, if you're talking with someone who's maybe thinking in terms of, you know, I'm on a budget. I don't know if traveling is the best thing for me. You know, right. maybe they're looking for no cost, low cost, uh, standard pricing, or even some that are looking for premium pricing, depending upon their ideas of that. I, I would say if you're going to look at vacations, you have to kind of look at the whole picture. You have to look at the cost of traveling to the location. You have to look at the cost of food. You have to look at the cost of the lodging. You have to look at the cost of all these things that are consideration. Um, touring. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts in general about this? Because I'm sure it's a hot well, button issue. It's, it's a hot button issue, but you know what's interesting about it is there are certain times you can get deals. I know Norwegian's really, really good for this. They love a good bundle. I've always thought that about Norwegian, and I appreciate that for them, um, where they will include a lot of things. You'll have free internet, sometimes free booze, sometimes you'll have two included shore excursions, and it leads to a really good package. But when things get interesting, especially is when we are talking about international travel, you know, 
that that makes a difference because it's not just the cruise cost. The flight cost can be exponential. Yeah. For example, I'm looking at one cruise that's leaving from Civita Vecchia, another one from Barcelona, right? If the cruise is cheaper on one, but the flight's more expensive on the other, then you're going to end up even. But if you're cruising from Civita Vecchia, you have to think about what airport, what airport am I flying into? Am I flying into Rome? Okay, if I'm flying into Rome, how am I going to get to the port? Is my transfer included? It's an hour and a half to two hours um, when we leave. What if we want to spend a day there versus Barcelona would be the clear choice, even though flights there would probably be more expensive. You'll be able to stay at a hotel probably next to the ship or the cruise terminal. Same thing with Amsterdam. If you're taking a cruise from Amsterdam, the Moven Pick Hotel is in the port area. You can walk <laughs> in all of Amsterdam if you want, and you don't have to pay to, to go there. And the airport, everything's interconnected. You can take public transit there. So these are the things that will make or break an, an international cruise uh, if you're cruising from other areas. Standard pricing and premium pricing, brilliant you brought that up. MSC's Yacht Club is the prime example of that. You can pay for a premium premium, premium experience rather. Sorry, I've only just had my coffee. I, That's okay. <laughs> this is a really good topic. I want to, talk, I want to continue to talk about this. No, it's all good. It's, you can pay for the Yacht Club, which is a small ship within a ship, mm-hmm. or... You can pay for an inside cabin and have unlimited liquor and have just as good of a time. It just depends on what you want to... The Haven is another great example of that. Exactly. So you can literally have no cost, low cost, or all the costs. And if I'm being honest, I've done it every single way. Um, I've traveled in the biggest suites. I've traveled in inside cabins. And my favorite way to travel is definitely in my cruise director suite. It's just a much easier, less concerning time at that point? Or? Well, I'm not out of pocket. So. Uh, well, that's true. So there you go. Um, and of course, all ships are not not the same. You know, you have some that are smaller cruise ships. You have those, those the massive vessels. I know we had a conversation about this uh, before we even started the podcast and vlog uh, to talk about what exactly is a mid-sized ship because there's so many different interpretations of that. You know, it's it's just... I guess I guess it's really, you know, do you want the smaller ship experience? Do you want the larger experience? What's your view on that? I love that midsize is 1,000 to 3,999. Right. When did that become midsize? That was large. <laughs> you know, when, when we talk about Carnival Destiny, the largest ship in the world, first ship to go over 100,000 tons back in whatever, 95, 96, you know, she carried a capacity of 3,400 people. And that was the largest. Um and then, of course, Royal Caribbean comes in and says, nope, we're going to do you one better. <laughs> you know, that was always their thing. I felt like some guy at Royal was like, did you see what Carnival's doing? Did you see that? Ruin them. Do it again. Do it bigger. But competition is, you know, how the world moves forward. And they did an amazing job. But, you know, they came out with, uh, who was for it? Was it Adventure of the Seas that, that came out? Right after it, that? I think it might have been. Yes, I think you're right. It could have been adventure, right? It was adventure class, 138. Literally, Carnival said, oh, look, we did 101,000 tons, guys. First ship over 100. Nobody's going to ever beat us. Then, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Then, adventure of the seas, 138,000 tons. Royal Caribbean was like, no. But sorry, we, no. <laughs> and then, just to seal it off, they said, you know what? We're just going to jump to the freedom little bump and then we're going to go to oasis three years later that is like 225 so it, innovation comes from all avenues i think competition is great for innovation i think smaller ship cruises are inherently more expensive um but i wouldn't say that that's 
you know, a better experience, I think that you're getting a smaller ship and it's, it'll be more tranquil, but you're definitely not going to get all the bells and whistles. <laughs> and then the trade-off would be, I guess, with a smaller ship, potentially you can get into some ports that you can't get into with a larger ship. True or false? Yeah, yeah that is true. I mean, it's inherently true, but really and truly, like, if, if we're talking about adventure cruising, that's a whole other thing. Like you were talking about Paul Gauguin. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry if I said that completely. Paul Gauguin, I think is how okay. it's pronounced yeah. correctly. Uh, you know, and he, they're in Tahiti, uh, I think, in the South mm-hmm. Pacific. Yeah. Um, that is, that's adventure cruising. They've got Zodiacs on board. Uh, Company de Pendant, which is a small French cruise line, mm-hmm. they have Zodiacs on board. That's adventure cruising. I wouldn't describe that as a relaxing cruise. I wouldn't want to, you know, sit there and tan on deck. Uh, that is a cruise that we're going to Antarctica. Bring your parkas. We're going to go meet some penguins. And <laughs> this port doesn't have a pier. We're going to be getting on this Zodiac, and you're going to get wet. And that's part of it. Um, when we get into midsize, that's, you know, getting into Pino Australia's Pacific Aria, which used to be the, the Rhine Dam, the Staten Dam, Volan Dam. Um, and if we're classifying midsize, would you classify Celebrity Solstice class as midsize? They What's the to- what is the total capacity of the passengers on that, would you say? I would say it's pushing about 3,500 people or so. Yeah, but I, I still classify it as midsize. Anything yeah, under, anything under 4,000, I would say. I would actually, I think when I worked on there, it was, it was less than that. I think it was 3,100 or something. But they are a very similar size to Carnival's Dream Class. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how. Carnival suddenly has 1,000 more people on there. So these are things to think about. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I remember, and we we were talking again before this started, um, my first cruise was on the Carnival Tropical. And while I was of the impression that it only had about 500 or maybe 500 to 700 people on board at the time, which was considered a sizable ship, you know, especially to an 11-year-old child, um, I've been told that it's actually over a thousand people on board. Now, I don't know yeah. if that's because they actually did something about lengthening the ship or, or changing the size of the ship at one point or another. I, I don't even know if that's like, do you see stuff like that happening quite often? Where capacities increase? Is that yeah. Or- yeah. I mean, cause yeah. I, mean, I, I wonder if that's something that's like prevalent, you know, is it more financially beneficial for an organization like Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Norwegian, anybody else to purchase a brand new ship or just to lengthen a ship? Uh, financially, it wouldn't make more. It would make sense to buy a ship and then lengthen it right away. Royal Caribbean did a really good job with that with some of their ships where they, you know, they were new builds at one point. They were 10, 12 years old in order to revamp them. They said, you know, we're going to give you $150 million makeover. We're going to stretch you. They did that, uh, I think, back in the day with the Song of America, which became the Sunbird, which was the ship I first cruised on. And now it's called the Celestial Olympia. She actually served with Morella Cruises a little bit as well as um, it was Thompson Dream. Um, but they lengthened her. And and for them, I mean, they reaped the benefits of that. Um she had a much larger capacity. She had more amenities, and she just looked better. I think she looked stubby when she was her original <laughs> length, um, and I think she looked filled out properly when she was lengthened. But interesting about Tropical. First of all, the Tropical is still still kicking about. She's still alive. She's the peace boat. <laughs> uh, I think she's registered in Japan, so great for her. Um, but yeah, the experts at finding room. 
to expand. I would Carnival takes the the crown on that. If you look at the sunshine and the sunrise, the X obviously Carnival Destiny and Triumph. Mm-hmm. The theaters used to be on decks three, four, and five. What they did was they changed the theaters into the Liquid Lounge, and they changed them from being three decks tall to two decks tall. And suddenly, deck three forward, just in front of guest services, where that atrium area is, you used to just walk straight into the theater. Those are now cabins. So they elevated the theater by a whole deck. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> and, and, and what did that mean? So... I would love if anybody has cruised on those ships, specifically you've stayed on deck three forward. Can you please write me a message on Instagram and tell me what it was like? Did you notice? Was there noise or was it, was it okay? Um, so interesting ships can be retrofitted just like buildings can. Um, and it's really interesting to see the engineering behind it. I can imagine. And I think we're going to debate this for quite a long time in the future is like, there will be people who will love small ships and would never go on something they want waste class or larger. And there are going to be those who are like, no, 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 I only want to go on and have that massive experience on the, on a larger ship. So stay tuned on that one too. Now, of course, yeah. with different types of travel, you have people who look for very specific types of programs that are out there. I know that we are going on this cruise in December and we're following, we're following under a casino rate because my husband is a good gambler. Um, thank you, husband. And so part of that process is, like, you know, we get special deals on stuff like that, but there's also special groups that want to travel, uh, groups of interest, like the Star Trek conventions that are going on cruises and uh, theme-based ones. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your understanding and your, your seeing some of those in the past. I know that there are even some very risque um, travel, uh, it, it, you know, uh, themed cruises as well. So... Sure. <laughs> okay. You mean the new cruises? Yes. New cruises? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I won't let, you know, power to you. Take a nude cruise. I think that's great. I would be very interested to work <laughs> a nude cruise because I would just be very honest and be like, look, I'm not used to seeing this many fits in one place, you know. And uh, I, I think I would definitely have to, to think about it a bit. <laughs> like, come on. A room full of naked people watching a show that – that sounds like a very culturally interesting moment. It it could be very yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. Taking it back for a second in terms of thinking about the health and safety, especially in the age of COVID. um, I imagine Mm. that, you know, cruises like that right now are not even on the planning. Uh, Maybe sometime next year when things are, you know, possibly much when, when there's a cure or when something else is going on in terms of that a vaccine or something for yeah. sure. Um, I'm sure a lot of those charter cruises are definitely in the back burner. I'm sure Atlantis, you know, specializing in, oh, yeah. in gay cruises they're they're definitely going to be taking a little bit of a backseat at the minute. Um, but it's in everybody's best interest, obviously to continue planning, continue looking for the future to be as optimistic as possible with a little bit of realism strike, you know, up, up and sprinkled on there. And if I'm being honest, uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing when these cruises resume. All eyes are currently on MSC at the time of this recording. Uh, I think, is it uh, Bellissima is on the cruise right now where they kicked off these guests just yes. recently because they weren't following protocol. They, they, di- they tried to leave their chaperone and they ended up getting caught and uh, thrown off the ship. 
great for them. I think that this is an interesting time. We're going to see where we go with this now. I mean, stay tuned. I, I, I wish I knew more. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm, I, I'm actually kind of surprised that you had people trying to buck the system because, it, yeah. you know, you're, you're paying a premium to go on a cruise right now anyways. You know, you have your family with you, you're following the protocols, and then it's just this one thing that you do that just threw off everything because you chose not to follow it. But I am, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. And I've, I, I don't think I've heard anybody disagreeing with this at all. I mean, when I listen to cruise insiders, when I'm listening to vloggers, podcasters, everybody, they're like, no, you know what? Good on MSC for kicking these people off. You can't, you need to follow protocols very strictly right now. If I'm being honest, I actually think they should have been arrested. I think they should have been taken because they, you know, they endanger public safety. But I, I can understand how people would say that's a little bit too too strict. But and you know, who'd have thought it was going to be MSC to do the first one of the first COVID cruises and and to react this way? It was I'm not used. MSC is not the most mature cruise company um, in terms of the ones out there. Uh, their product was very interesting to me. I cruised once with them on the MSC Musica back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'll be very blunt in saying that the experience wasn't the best and they were still there. I mean, they've had 10, year, 10 more years of experience and mega ships now. So obviously they're doing something right and they must have changed their tune. When I cruised with them, they were very, very difficult. <laughs> um, but I'm very happy to see that clearly they've listened and they're growing and they're expanding and they're listening to people. I think that's really, really important. And I'm really, really happy to see the innovation that they put in place, obviously for a successful cruise. It's not over yet. So, and we're still waiting to hear on, you know, obviously we don't want any cases, uh, but yeah, very interesting, especially around what these cruise lines are going to be doing. Yeah. And we're at the time of this recording, the cruise, I don't believe has ended as of yet. It hasn't come to departure. So we'll have to see if anything amounted from that. But I know that previous attempts to do larger scale cruising over the last several months, uh, whether it's through, uh, I think it's called Hurtigarden or Hurtigarden? Hurtigarden. Look, it's Norwegian. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) that Norwegian cruise line is an actual cruise line from Norway. Yes. Of Norway. Um, Amazing ship that that took place on. That was actually the world's first hybrid cruise ship. Mm. Um, it was so it's partly battery powered, so that it doesn't disturb marine life and delicate ecosystems in Antarctica when it cruises there. Uh, that to me was just—I uh, mean, talk about uh, you know a snafu. Um, <laughs> how do you have a ship that small with that many cases? They were frankly, they were ignorant. Something uh, at the end of the something, day, they got something must have happened there. Yeah, I, I was like, there had to have been something that. They, you know, health protocols were not followed, or something was slipped by. And same, I think, to some extent, with I think it was was Aida that was getting ready to cruise in the Germany area. Yes, uh, I think it was either Aida or or Mein Schiff. Mein Schiff uh, was another one. Yeah, yeah, it could have been Mein Schiff. <clears throat> beautiful, beautiful ships. But if you if you read into their articles that came out just after the initial news was broken. They had to cancel a cruise because they had a series of crew members that ended up testing positive for COVID. So it was their screening process that stopped it Yeah. at the end of the day. It didn't spread. So 
good on them and good on them for being honest. I think that the media has not been the kindest to the cruise industry. I really don't appreciate that. I think, you know, everybody should be given their turn and people love to hate on the cruise industry for whatever reason. Um, But TUI did a good job there. It was a screen process that caught what it should have caught. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And by the way, I, I really appreciate your time. It, you are so enlightening to hear, and I really just enjoy speaking with you on all of these. I'm looking forward for the next time we're going to be able to chat again. Um, now, for my listeners who want to find out more about Cruise Director Kabir and all of your wonderful adventures and the different things that you do, um, you know, they can certainly find you on both Facebook and Instagram um, at uh, Cruise Director Kabir and or your podcast, which is Keeping Afloat. But again, you have another podcast that's coming up called Cruising. Can you tell me just a quick little bit about that yes and this is an exclusive just for you scott nobody else has heard this news yet um so i'm transitioning to doing the shows full-time now and in addition to keeping afloat which tells my story of working on a ship and basically a couple of insider secrets that maybe i shouldn't share but you know what i don't mind at this point you might as well just open up the floodgates a little just to get that information out <laughs> Um, so it follows my keeping afloat follows my story and will continue to we're about to finish season one with a very very uh, interesting cliffhanger about, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a clue. I had a very hasty exit um, at the end of my my first uh, real company before I went to my second. And it was very, very dramatic. So please tune into that. Uh, you can find that on Apple, Spotify, anchor.fm slash keeping afloat. Cruising is my new show. Uh, it should be coming out very, very soon. Uh, ideally, before... <laughs> the first week of September uh, and cruising is an LGBT themed show following a series of characters on board a cruise ship based on real experiences, but I won't be holding back with it. It's going to be R rated. It's going to be hot. It's going to be sexy. And uh, it is, um, and it'll be told in a very different way, but still retain the core elements of my storytelling. So please listen to it when it comes out and you can check it all out uh, on my Instagram page. If you need more links. Oh, thank you so very much, Kabir. I really appreciate it. And again, thank you for the exclusive. Really great to hear about it. I'm so happy for you with the success of both of these podcasts. Again, just keep up the great work. We really hope to hear from you again. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And it's a brilliant show of yours as well. And I'm looking forward to hopefully the audience enjoying it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. And for my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can certainly send them to me at Scott at The Professor Travel. If you would like to get notified when new videos go up on YouTube, hit the bell icon at the top. You're always, of course, welcome to subscribe. If you like what you saw, please give it a thumbs up. And then if you're on the podcast, we always appreciate a um, a like, a, a, a comment in Apple Podcasts. So again, thank you so much for all the stuff that you do. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. And until the next time, make every day a travel adventure. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.